Who wins in a fight, me or Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Somebody said me. Why, yeah, right. Look at this guy, even in a suit. This is ridiculous. Like, there's no way. There's no way. Now, hear me out. I'm a little scrappier than I look. I understand that. I mean, I've gone on YouTube and researched a few maybe self-defense techniques. Never done them, but watched a YouTube video, so I'm an expert, right? I've watched my share of action movies. I mean, a lot of them he's in, but I probably, you're right, I probably would not win against Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Actually, if he came out, like, and he was back there, please don't be back there, but he was like, smell the rock is cooking, and then he came, and he, like, clothes on me or punched me in the face. You might see me die before your very eyes. Like, that's more, that's more realistic. That's a little bit more reality. If I was in an actual fight with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I would not win. Like, that fight actually seems a little unfair. Seems insurmountable. It's an unwinnable battle. Like I would not, it might be a battle to the death, but it would be a battle to my death. It would not be a battle to his. Now, is there an unwinnable fight in your life? What are you battling? There are all sorts of different kinds of battles, right? All sorts of them. Maybe you are right in the middle of a dropout, drag out fight with addiction, and you just don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. You don't know how to feel. You don't know what to do because it's unwinnable. It's insurmountable. Or maybe you're in a different kind of fight. Maybe it's a financial struggle. Or maybe it's a struggle with a disease or an illness, a battle with cancer. Or maybe you just battle with some people in your lives. You know, you have like the kid and you just don't know what you love them, but you just don't know what to do. You don't know how to get out of the like cycle that you're in or it's an ex or it's a spouse or it's a family member. There are all sorts of battles that we have, and they seem kind of like unwinnable, like Dwayne The Rock Johnson's kind of looking over your shoulder. There's no way I win that fight. No way. And maybe you feel the same way. You're like, I don't have what it takes. I don't have the skill that I need. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to feel. Can you relate? Now, we're going to actually have Somebody come and take my, uh, my brother, The Rock Johnson, off stage. And the reason why is I don't have the self-esteem to stand next to him for 20 minutes, really, and talk. Can't, can't handle it. But is there a battle in your life that seems unwinnable? A battle in your life right now. Difficult battle. One, you don't know what to do, where to turn. What battle seems never-ending? Now, there's a guy in the Bible that I think can relate to being faced with an unwinnable battle. His name is Joshua. Now, let me set some things up. Here's kind of just set the stage for us. So, Moses is dead. Now, who's Moses? Now, Moses was God's chosen leader kind of the leader of Israel, and he's dead. This is the leader that got the people of God, the Israelites, out of slavery, out of bondage in Egypt. So that's the whole book of Exodus, kind of in the Old Testament, towards the beginning of the Bible, and it's this book about how they escaped, and they were being led out of Egypt by Moses. 
He's an amazing leader. And when we catch up in the story, Moses is dead. Everybody would have followed Moses in Israel. Everybody knew who he was. They celebrated him so much so that when Moses died, he was described that no one will ever lead like Moses again. And then they're like, hey, Joshua, you want to come help lead us? I'm like, no, man. Like you just said that Moses is the greatest leader ever. That's incredibly intimidating for Joshua. But it's not just that Moses is dead. So Joshua is inheriting this thing. The country is divided. Does that sound familiar? Joshua is faced with this bickering group of people. The Israelites complained a lot. So they got out of Egypt, and then they wandered around the desert for 40 years. Which honestly... I probably would have complained if I was doing that. It's not an easy existence, and the Israelites complained a lot. They had to rely on God to lead them, to provide food, to provide water, and even at times they forgot about God's provision, even though he was showing up for them every day. They even said things like, I want to go back to Egypt, where they were oppressed and beaten and raped and enslaved. That's what Joshua's walking into, a country of people who are bickering and divided. And hope is kind of distant. See, God had promised this land, the promised land to the people of Israel 400 years before Joshua was on the scene. And now they're getting ready to go in. That's 400 years of people to forget the promise, to question the promise, to wonder if God was going to show up at all. This was way before Joshua was even born. And the people in the promised land, they weren't like weak. They were well fortified. They had tall buildings and tall walls and stones and, and spears and shields and all sorts of different things. They weren't going down without a fight. So Joshua is a brand new leader with a bickering country who complained all the time, going into a well-fortified area that apparently was promised to God by God 400 years earlier. And the, the thing of of it is, all of that leads to this one, and this one's the worst one. Joshua isn't qualified to lead him at all. Joshua would have had like a master's degree in wandering. Like that's what he knew how to do. Everything he learned about leadership, he learned from Moses, and Moses, when Joshua was alive, wandered around. Joshua didn't know what to do. Can you imagine like all of your training all of your experience is in one way of doing things. So it's like one language. Like, so it's in English, and then to take the next step in your career, or to take the next step in a battle, or to take a next step in any way, you have to learn Swahili. And that seems, mm, at the very least, difficult to do. And for me, I'd be like, I couldn't learn Spanish in high school. Like, how am I going to learn this? See, Joshua isn't qualified this is not an ideal situation for him to walk into. The battle of even just leading, of stepping into this role, at the least doesn't seem wise. At the most seems kind of unwinnable. The task seems insurmountable. The battle seems too great. So this is a series that we're starting today about this guy, Joshua. And all these battles and all these steps that Israel has, God provides the promised land. And sometimes Israel wins, sometimes they lose. So we decided to call Joshua how to win and lose 
Well, now the book of Joshua kind of le- reads like Game of Thrones. Anybody read Game of Thrones? I can't, I can't do it. It's like 4,000 pages long, one book is. Can't do it. But the book of Joshua kind of reads that way. It's epic. It's kind of fun to read. There's military strategy and alliances and mystery, life and death struggle to claim land and throne and kings and all these things in here. And you'll find a country, Israel, and you're going to find a leader, Joshua, that have really been thrown into an unwinnable fight. And their only hope is the clear voice of God telling them where to go, who to fight, what to do, how to win, what to do when they lose. But before they do anything, Joshua is leading, and he's in a little bit of a situation. No Moses, bickering, no experience, a dusty old promise. And that's where we pick up in chapter 1. And in chapter 1, there's this phrase that comes up over and over and over again. It's a pretty good phrase. Be strong and courageous. I need to hear those words sometimes. Do you need to hear those words sometimes? God says it over and over and over again in the first chapter to Joshua. He talks directly to Joshua and he says, be strong and courageous. The people of Israel who are bickering, they even say it back to him. Be strong and courageous. This is one of the themes in the book of Joshua. Be strong and courageous. And we want this to be true in our lives, don't we? We want to live this way. We want to be strong like the rock. We want to be courageous We want to meet the fight head on. We want to win. But there's a portion of this theme that's missing. If you look back, for example, this is Joshua 1.9. This is what it says. This is God talking to Joshua. This is what he says. This is my command. It's not a suggestion. Apparently, we can choose to be strong and courageous. So he says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's so much hope in this promise. There's so much in here. Wherever we go, we can't get away. We can't run far enough. God is with us wherever we go. So Joshua is there. The odds are stacked against him. And God says, be strong, be courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Why? Because I'm with you. And the entire book of Joshua isn't based on how strong Joshua is or how good of a leader he is or how courageous he is or how good Israel is. Nope. It's not really about that. It's about God being with them. And in any battle in our lives, Whatever battle you're fighting right now, we can be courageous, we can be strong, we can fight because God is with us. So what battle's going on in your life? My guess is you have one. What are you fighting? Are you winning? Are you losing? Joshua can relate to both. And no matter the battle... We can be courageous because God is with us. Remember, Joshua's in a bad spot. I think I find some hope in how the book of Joshua starts. So it starts with Moses is dead, which is like, dude, that was my friend. But the very first thing that really happens in the book of Joshua, chapter one, is that God shows up. 
The first thing that God does is that he reminds Joshua, I'm here. So Joshua takes over and God immediately says, I am with you. You can have courage, you can have strength, you need to because I am with you. So we're going to dig into what does that mean? What does it mean for God to be with us? That seems kind of weird. That seems kind of like distant, right? Now there's a lot to say about this, but there are some things even in this first chapter of Joshua that I think we can learn about what it means for God to be with us. See, he will not abandon us. That, that comes up in the first chapter. He will not fail. He says that in the first chapter. He will provide. He will triumph. This is what God says to Joshua. Things are bad. God shows up. And he says something that I think is amazing. Like, it's just so rich. It's so good. This is Joshua 1.5. This is what it says. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. If I'm about to go invade a country, this is what I want God to say to me. If you have a battle in your life, this is what I want God to say to you. No, no one, no matter what it is, no matter the battle, will be able to stand against you for as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses, the best leader ever. I will not fail you or abandon you. I got you, Joshua. I am with you. So what battle are you fighting? Our God is a God that's able to say things like, no one will be able to stand against you for as long as you live. Now, you might be asking, is that, is that promise for me? Is that promise for you? Or is that promise for Joshua? Like, we're a long way from Joshua days, right? Like, none of you have, I hope you don't, have like swords and spears and shields with you today. Like, if you did, I'm out. Like, there's fight or flight, I'm flight all the way on that one. I'm out of here. So the circumstances are a little different, right? Is that promise for us? We're not about to go into a battle like that. But I think, even though this is a specific promise, for Joshua, we can apply the principles of what God is saying to us today. So to Joshua, God says he will not abandon, he will not fail, he will provide, he will triumph. And I think he's saying the same things to us. So what does it mean for God to be with us? Let's take those things one at a time. He will not abandon. He's with us. He's in the hurt. He's in the difficult decision. He's in the pain. He's right there. He's not distant. He's not like up in the sky, mildly interested. What's your view of God? Do you have like, you know, a view of God that he has like a, a big white beard and he's like distant and he's kind of far away? That's Santa Claus, y'all. <laughs> he is incredibly interested, incredibly invested. He is with you. And he's, he's not far away. He's not checking on us later. He's not going anywhere. He is right there. Like that song that you have stuck in your head and you can't get it out. Like he's right there and like he's right there. For me, that's, we don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. We, do, we talk about Bruno all the time. That song is a lie. At least in my house, we do. But it's kind of like that. Like God is, God is there, whether we maybe acknowledge it or not, whether we understand it or not, he is right there. So there's a battle in your life and it seems unwinnable, but God is right there and he's not just there, which is great. 
it gets it better because he will also not fail. So spoiler alert, here's the end of the book of Joshua. Joshua ends with the promise that God has already given being fulfilled. Like they get into the promised land, they win. That's how the book of Joshua ends. Side note, and then the rest of the Bible happens. But I know you're going, okay, so they win, that's good. But a question can be, why did God include this story, these stories in the Bible at all? And I think one answer is it shows us that God doesn't abandon, he doesn't fail. Even in spite of Joshua, when they make mistakes, even when Israel doesn't do the right thing, there are there consequences to that? Absolutely. But they're in some fights that they lose, and still God doesn't fail. They don't win every fight, but I promise you, God will not fail. Here's the end of the book of Joshua. This is towards the end. This is Joshua 21:45. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Not a single one. Everything he had spoken came true. Every single thing he had promised. Every single thing. Nothing was halfway. Nothing was empty. Nothing was left undone. And if you read the book of Joshua, check it out. It's not because Joshua was perfect. It's not because he was qualified. It's not because he had it all figured out. It's not because he watched the YouTube video of Jiu-Jitsu on YouTube. He didn't know. He had to trust God. He had to rely on God. But God doesn't fail. So what battle do you feel like is unwinnable? Because the reality is for you, it is unwinnable. It's just not unwinnable for God. He doesn't fail. He will not abandon you. Here's another one. He will provide. The Bible talks about that all the time, like 169 verses in the Bible about God providing. But there's a difference. Are you like me? There's a difference in what we think we need and what we actually need, what we want and what we need. Like if God provided everything that I wanted, I would have had a lot of Taco Bell in my life. The Colts would have won every championship ever. But in reality, there are a lot of things that I have prayed for, maybe you have too, that if God had given it to me, maybe I wouldn't have grown or I wouldn't have relied on him. He knows exactly what we need. He has the full view of how to love us, how to provide, how to give us not what we want, not what we think we need, but what we need. And he shows up in Joshua over and over again. He gives battle instructions. He gives physical provision. He gives spiritual provision. And he doesn't just provide and then leave because he's there, right? He's with us. He doesn't abandon. He doesn't provide and then fail anyway because we do it wrong because God doesn't fail. God is with us. And while he is with us, he will triumph. Joshua wins a lot of battles in the book of Joshua. He also loses some. But the very best example of God being with us and being triumphant is Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate triumph. What happened on the cross, is this, this is fascinating to me. The cross looks like a loss. It looks like it's unwinnable. But God doesn't abandon. He doesn't fail. He provides. He triumphs. Jesus doesn't lose. Jesus defeats. Jesus defeats death, defeats sin, defeats pain, defeats hopelessness, 
And it's the same God that triumphs through Jesus that is with us. Now, what does it mean for us to be with God? So if God's with us, if we can't get away from him, what does it mean for us to be with God? Because we all know that we've been in the same room as somebody and maybe they're with us, but we're not with them, right? That happens at my house all the time. You know, it's the end of the long, hard day. The kids are in bed. We go, what do you want to watch? And we put something on the TV, and then both of us take out our phones. Right? Like, we're not really with one another. Maybe we're in the same room, like the proximity. But are we together? Maybe, maybe not. So God is with us, and he's not going anywhere. But what about us? How can we learn to be with God? So let's dig into that. What does it mean for us to be with God? Well, think about that battle that's going on in your life right now. What does it mean when the battle seems unwinnable to trust God, to rely on God, to be strong, to be courageous, to be with God? I think sometimes we kind of view God a little bit like this. This is us. We've lost a lot of weight. So we're in a battle, and we think we need to go to God, right? We need to communicate to God. We need to ask God for help. All of those things are good things. And it's this kind of back and forth, ebb and flow, transactional relationship that we think is is really the way that we interact with God, that we should communicate to God, that we should go to him. He comes to us. That's good, but it's not complete. So, this is a different approach. This is being with God, surrounded by God. Does that sound a little weird? It does sound a little weird. It is a little confusing. But what if this is true, that we are kind of in community? Rather than just in communication, we're in community together, ongoing, never-ending community. See, God is with us. And will not fail. He does not abandon. He provides and he triumphs with us. And this picture is more of like a bear hug surrounding us. We can't get away from it. This is a more accurate representation, I think, of what it means to be with God. It's resting in him. We can't get away. We can't turn away. We're surrounded, blanketed by his strength. And his presence is really why we can be strong and courageous. So in any battle in our lives, we can be courageous. We can choose courage. Why? Because God is with us. It's not in our own strength. It's not in our own power. It's in his. As we read the rest of the first chapter of Joshua, we learn a little bit more, I think, of what it looks like. What does it look like for us to be with God? So this is how Joshua kind of responds to God showing up. So God says, be strong, be courageous. I am with you. You're going to be great. I have got you. Moses is dead. I know. The country is divided. I know. The promise seems a long time ago. I know. And you might feel like you're unqualified. Well, buddy, you are. But be strong and courageous. Why? Because I am with you. I won't abandon you. I will not fail. I will provide. I will triumph. And so what does Joshua do? 
Well, check this out. This is Joshua 1.10. This is what he says. Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell all the people to get ready, to get their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River, and what? You're going to go into the promised land. You're going to take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. We are going to fight. That's what he does. But not before he's with God. He's with him. Then he fights. And when we're fighting an unwinnable fight, when we do it without God, we lose. But when we do it with God, we follow God's prompting, maybe to fight, maybe to flee, maybe to rely, maybe to ask for help, maybe to join a group and have community, whatever that is. But most of the time when we think of being strong and courageous, we think we have to do it on our own and we stop there. We win some battles, we fight, we're good to go. But there's one more thing. So he does say, go. He says, go into the promised land. Hey, get ready, go. First word he says, go. Well, what else does he do? This is Joshua 1, a couple verses later, verse 12. This is what he says. Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. That's just part of the country of Israel. And this is what he told them. This is so good. He says, remember. Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. He has given you this land. So he says, remember. First words, he says. He's in front of the entire country. They're ready for like an epic war battle, like Braveheart, like freedom. And they go in there and they paint their face and all that stuff is awesome. They're ready for that type of speech. And the first thing he tells them, here's God's provision. It's right in front of you. What does he tell them to do? He tells them to remember. That's what he says. The people of Israel, before even you act, we're about to act in three days. But before we do that, we need to remember. Remember the promise of God in the first place. God is going to give us this land. We're not going to take it. He's going to give it. He's going to triumph. He is going to provide. Israel has hundreds of years, 400 years at this point, of examples of God showing up and providing. And he says, remember how God provides. Do you have an example of your life when you've been fighting a fight, when you've been in the battle and God has shown up? If you have an example of that, remember it. If you don't, lift up your eyes and look around. There are other people, maybe in this church community, maybe in the greater community, that would say, yes, God has shown up. And that's not counting the thousands of years of examples in the Bible. God shows up. Remember. Remember what he's done for you or for a family member or for a friend. See, Joshua, what does he do to be strong and courageous? Well, he's going to act. He's going to go. He's going to fight. But before he does any of that, he remembers. Maybe you're in a battle today, and it seems unwinnable. What do you do? How can you be strong and courageous? Well, because God is with you. He won't forget. He won't abandon. 
He won't fail. He will provide. He will help. He will lead. He will guide. He will give perfectly. And he will triumph. So what do we do? We get ready to act. We follow his prompting and act. But we remember all the times that he's already shown up. All the times that he's already been with us. In any battle in our life, we can be courageous. We can be strong. We can have hope because God is with us. So what battle are you facing? In your own strength, it might feel insurmountable. Are you facing addiction? Be strong and courageous. Are you weary as a parent? Be strong and courageous. Are you battling that illness, that cancer, that hurt? Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. No matter the battle you are facing, be strong and courageous because God is with you. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the reminder today that even though we can be consumed with this fight, that we have this opportunity to remember who you are, what you've done throughout history, what you've done through Jesus, and what you've promised to do through heaven, and that the battle that we feel is so big, so large, so unwinnable, is really yours to fight. The battle belongs to you. It's through your courage, it's through your strength, it's through your hope that we do anything. So today, help us respond to that. Throughout our week, in that fight, tomorrow and the next day, when we're reminded we're in the middle of the fight and we don't know what to do and it feels like we're losing, help us remember who you are and then to act not in our own strength, but in yours. Thank you for that reminder today that it's your battle, it's your hope. And it's because of Jesus that we're able to fight anything in front of us today. You've been doing this a long time. You don't lose. Heavenly Father, thank you for your provision that we get to be on the winning team. Well, it's in your name that we pray today. Amen.